0: Well, hey, if you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on. John chapter 11 is where we're going to be today. John chapter 11. I need you to think back. There's an old song. You've heard it. It was called Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? Don't worry, be happy. It was catchy. You'd kind of whistle and hum along. It's this kind of song that gets stuck in your head. You ever stop and look at the lyrics of that song? Have you ever looked at the words? The premise of the song was, hey, you know, life's not going that great, but don't let it get you down. It's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Be happy. But the lyrics are kind of funny. I mean, some of the things that it talks about in this song that you're supposed to be happy about, I, I, I'm i not so sure. Let me, let me read a couple of them for you. It says, in this song, it says, You ain't got no place to lay your head because somebody came and took your bed. But don't worry. Be happy. It says... The landlord says that your rent is late. He might have to litigate, but don't worry, be happy. It goes on and it says, you ain't got no cash, you ain't got no style, you ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy. I don't know about you, I mean, just us talking here. If you have no money, no companionship, you're being sued and someone took your bed, I give you permission to worry a little bit. Like you can start to worry about that a little bit. Those are real things, right? When I look at the life of Jesus, his life on earth reminds me of this song. Jesus had no place to live. He had no money. His family rejected him. He was mistreated. He was misjudged. Eventually he would be murdered. When you look at the life of Jesus, you can't go, oh, Jesus, those are small things. Don't let it get you down. Don't worry about it. Just just be happy. No, Jesus' life was really hard, and at every turn, it seemed like it got more and more difficult. And yet, there's this pattern throughout Jesus' life, and we see it come up over and over and over again that Jesus chooses to be grateful. He's got no money, he's got no place to lay his head, and yet somehow, Jesus is going to choose to be grateful. Today, what I want to look at, the story that we're going to look at today, we're going to say, what is it that makes Jesus so grateful? So we're in this sermon series called Thanksmas 2020. And look, 2020 has been a really weird year, a really difficult year. It kind of feels like somebody came along, took all our money and stole our bed, right? But we're trying to finish 2020 well. We're trying to be intentional in how we Finish 2020. And we're focusing on a couple of things. We're focusing on being grateful and being generous because that's who Jesus is. Gratitude and generosity flow out of Jesus. And so we're, we're focusing on those two things. The story that we're going to look at today is going to tell us why was Jesus so grateful? At least in part, give us some of the explanation for why Jesus was always so grateful. And what's really cool about this story is Jesus is actually going to say, specifically he's going to tell us, I'm grateful to show you that you can be grateful. So let's get into it. John chapter 11, it's probably a story that uh, you might be familiar with it. There's a guy named Lazarus and Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're friends with Jesus. They're all really good friends with Jesus. And so when Lazarus gets sick, they send word the family sends word to Jesus, hey, this, this guy's really sick. And Jesus' response is to say, yeah, he's, he's sick, but it's not going to end in death. He says, in fact, if you'll watch, what you're going to see is I'm going to show you the glory of God. What I'm going to do is going to glorify God. And the Bible says that Jesus really loves Lazarus. They're really good friends. And it's kind of weird then because when he hears that Lazarus is sick, Jesus doesn't run to his house. You might think that Jesus would go, oh, let let me go over there. I mean, we know that Jesus has the power to do these incredible things to heal people. You would think that Jesus is going to go, let's go, let's go and heal my friend Lazarus. But he doesn't. The Bible says that he stays right where he is. In fact, he stays there for two days. And during that two days, Lazarus actually dies. And it's just weird because you read it and you go, really, Jesus? I mean, you could have done something, but you let him die. Finally, Jesus does go to see the family. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days and his sisters are ticked. I mean, they keep saying to Jesus, if you would have been here, if you would have come here, you could have done something and everything would be okay." Martha is furious. Mary comes out of the house, when she hears that Jesus is there, and she's mad, but she's just sad. It overwhelms her. She falls down in front of Jesus, and she weeps. She's just sobbing, and there's this really cool picture. There's this, this moment where Jesus starts crying also. See, because Jesus is fully human. He is fully God and fully human. He experiences the weight of emotions. Jesus knows what it's like to hurt, and he knows what pain is like, and so he just weeps with her like he does with us. He just cries with Mary as they experience this pain together, but there's this tension in the story because here's Jesus, and we know what Jesus is capable of. We've seen it. Jesus can turn water into wine. Jesus can cause someone who's paralyzed to walk. Jesus can give hearing to the deaf. He can give sight to the blind. He has that kind of power. And the people are looking at him and they see that he has this compassion. I mean, he's he's crying and they they know that he he loves this family. And yet, why didn't he do something? If he had the power to do something and and he's emotionally attached, why didn't he do something? I mean, his disciples have seen Jesus heal from miles away. Why didn't he just snap his fingers and Lazarus jumps out of bed and he's fine? He could have done something. And it's so interesting what Jesus does, what his response to all of this is. He finally, he makes his way to the grave of Lazarus. And we'll pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 38. And it goes like this. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was just a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. But Jesus responds and he says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Stop there. You got to get the scene right in your head. Jewish funerals at the time were were, were quite the event. They would last for like a week, and the family would hire professional mourners. They would hire people whose job it was to come out to the grave, to come out to the tomb, and just cry and mourn. And they would wail, and they would sing these incredible songs of lament. And so when Jesus gets there, that's also going on. And there's a crowd that has probably formed. And Jesus is bold enough to say, hey, Move away, the, move away that stone that's in front of the grave. And they all go, whoa, 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 whoa. That dude's been in there a while. Like, we don't want to do that. This is the Middle East, right? It's hot, it's humid, and there's a dead body in there. They don't have the burial techniques that we have today. Like, they roll away that stone. They push that stone away. It's going to be funky in here. And he, they're going, like, do not, whatever you do, do not move away that stone but Jesus reminds them he says you're going to see God's glory if you will trust me if you will listen to me this whole thing is going to bring glory to God watch what he does because Jesus has a whole menu he has a whole buffet of options of how he can respond right he he could have easily said hey like I'm Jesus you think I can't deal with a little bit of smell he could have shamed them for not Believing, could have been condescending towards them. He could have just walked away and said, You know, people die. Not not really anything I can do about it. Not my problem. Lots of things he could have done. He could have waved a magic wand. Jesus could have just waved his little wand and fixed everything. He could have told the family, Well, Lazarus is in heaven. You'll be all right. Get over it. But watch how he responds because in this moment, his friend Lazarus is dead. And the family is frustrated with him that he wasn't there to do something about it. And the crowd is all watching. And yet in the middle of this, Jesus is going to choose to be grateful. Watch this, verse 41. It says that Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Like what? Wait a minute, what? It's Jesus being Jesus again. In these moments, that he should be devastated in these moments that should be filled with anxiety, fear, anger, sadness. What does he do? He chooses to be grateful. It's like this passage we saw last week. He had 10, 15, 20,000 people, this hungry mob, and he had no food to offer them, and they're sort of descending on him. They're starting to get riled up, and what did Jesus do? He chose to be grateful. The same thing is going on here. Imagine this. Imagine losing a loved one and you choose to be grateful. Imagine you go into work and you get fired from your job and you're sitting in your car and you got to drive home and tell your family what's just happened. And you choose to be grateful. Imagine sitting in, in the doctor's office and she just drops a bomb on you. Just terrible news. Imagine in that moment choosing to be grateful. Imagine the person that you love more than life itself walks out of your life. And in that moment, you choose to be grateful. Imagine that COVID goes on for months and months and months and the schools don't open for a while. And you choose to be grateful. That's what's sort of going on here. And in one sense, if, if in those circumstances, you choose to be grateful, the people around you are going to go, you're nuts, man. Like, are you crazy? And the same thing is happening here with Jesus. They think this guy is nuts. You wanna move a stone away? You wanna open up this grave? Your friend just died and you're thankful? I mean, they like is this guy a little off? What's, what's going on here? But listen to it again. Listen, Jesus says again why he's grateful. Verse 42, he says, I'm thankful, I'm grateful that you hear me. And you always hear me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people who are standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus in this moment is grateful because he is so intimately close to God that he knows when he prays, he knows that God hears him. Thank you. He says, thank you, God, that you're so close to me that you hear me when I pray. You hear my prayers. Jesus' gratitude in this moment has very little to do with his circumstances because his circumstances are bad. Jesus' gratitude in this moment has very little to do with the fact that he's about to bring a dead guy back to life. God is about to show his power and bring a guy back to life. But that's not what this is about. This is about the fact that God is so close that when he speaks, when Jesus speaks, God hears. And it's so cool because Jesus prays like this and it says that he wants to show his gratitude publicly. Why? So that we would learn from him. He wants to do it so that we would learn from him. Father, I am grateful today publicly that you hear me, that you have ears that are tuned in to my voice. This is before the miracle. This is before God has shown his power. This has nothing to do with Lazarus. Jesus is grateful that when he talks, God listens, dad hears. Finish the story real fast, verse 43. When Jesus had said this, he called in a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and there was a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And just a few verses later, the next chapter, Lazarus is having dinner with Jesus. They're having a party. Lazarus is just hanging out at the dinner table with Jesus. It's awesome. But more awesome is this picture that we get of the closeness that Jesus has with God, that when his friend has just died, he stops and he interacts with God. He interacts with his father because he's sad, and that's what we're supposed to do when we're sad. We're supposed to turn and they interact with God. He talks to him, and God hears him. They're so close that God hears Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm, I'm so grateful. And all of it is put on public display so that the people that were there today and people like you and me we would know that God sent a man named Jesus and he speaks and he interacts with this man and this man interacts with him to show us that when God speaks we should listen and when we speak God listens to us he's close enough to hear us isn't that a good dad isn't that a good dad who listens when his children speak, who's tuned in to his kids. Moms and dads, you know this, in in a room full of voices, often you can pick out the sound of your children's voice, right? You go to those Thanksgiving plays at their school, those little musical things that you have to go through and you go to and you're videoing and there's like 60 kids that you don't really care about singing and it's just loud, but you can hear your kid, right? You can pick out... Their voice. When my kids, I remember when my kids were babies, when they cried, by the sound of their cry, I knew what they needed. It's like, are they hungry? Do they need to be changed? Are they tired? You just, you just knew. And here's God. Here's dad. The Bible describes him as our heavenly father. And Jesus is going, in case you need a reminder, in case you've forgotten, let me, let me tell you, let me show you that when you speak, God hears you. I mean, at the end of 2020, and what a bizarre year this this whole thing has been, is there any better news that you could hear? At the end of, of 2020, that feels like it's beat you up, it feels like you got no place in this world, no place to lay your head, no money, somebody came and took your bed, right? The answer is not something trite and simple, like, ah, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry, don't let it get you down, just be happy. No, in a year where you could easily say, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about us? God, I thought you loved us. God, why don't you do something? In the middle of a year like this, Jesus reminds us that the most, in the most difficult moments of our life, that we can be thankful. Father, Thank you that you have heard me. I knew always, I've always known that you hear me. Thank you that you hear me. That is the best news that I could give you, that God hears. Do me a favor. Just reach up and and touch your ear. I know it feels like a bad game of Simon Says. Just do it. Reach up and and touch your ear and, and just listen to this. Psalm 94 says, does he who fashioned the ear not hear? He who formed the eye not see? The Bible says that God designed your ear. Every ear is unique. It's actually like a fingerprint. And God, who designed you, who made you in his image, gave you ears to hear. Why? Because he hears. He hears you. As 2020 ends, and I know it's not what you were expecting. And thanksgiving was not what you hoped it would be. It's not what you had in your mind. And life is not going the way you thought it would. And school is not going the way you thought it would. And Christmas is not going to go the way that you hoped it would. Can you say, like Jesus said, can you say, I'm thankful that God hears me and always hears me. Can you say, I am grateful that the creator of the universe hears me when I speak? I know we got to deal with this. I know that there's another side to this. I know that there's a skeptical side of us. I'm a skeptic, so I know it. I know that there's a skeptical side of this, that right now what you're thinking, you go, okay, cool. Got it. I hear you. God hears me. That sounds wonderful. I probably should be grateful for that. Cool. But okay, then why does it feel like he never answers me? Why does it feel like, I know we got to deal with this. Why does it feel like God doesn't hear me? Or if he does hear me, he's not listening. He doesn't answer me. So is he cruel? Is he, what's the deal? What do I do when God doesn't hear me? Or it feels like God doesn't hear me because he's not answering. I want to deal with that side of it as well, because I want you to be confident and be grateful that God hears you. So flip left in your Bible, to your left, to Luke chapter 18, if you got it there in front of you. Luke chapter 18, just a few pages earlier, because Jesus is going to tell a story. Jesus really wants you to know that God hears you, and Jesus knows that we have doubts, and Jesus knows that we're skeptical, and so he tells us a story to show us what we do when it feels like God isn't answering us. Listen to this, Luke 18, right from the top. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Here's the story he tells. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge. The judge neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to this judge with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Probably the woman woman's owed money or something, right? It says, for some time, the judge refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't care, I don't fear God, I don't care what people think, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, for those who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and justice quickly. Here's what Jesus is saying about this. When it feels like God is not listening, keep asking, keep asking. Keep going back to God. Dad, I need this. Dad, I need this. Dad, I need this. Dad, will you fix this? Dad, I'm anxious about this. Dad, my heart is broken. Dad, will you take away my cancer? Dad, I need a job. Dad, will you cure coronavirus? Dad, I'm scared about the future. Jesus says, keep going back. Keep going back. Keep going back. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. Keep going back. Keep going back. When it feels like God doesn't hear you, Jesus says, keep going. Going back to him, he's a good dad. He wants to be that close to you. He wants you to know that when you speak, he hears you. Jesus says, don't give up on him. He's a good dad. Keep going back, keep going back to him. As 2020 ends, as it comes to a close, are you grateful that you have this God that you can go to and that he hears you? The Apostle John, who had a front row seat to the life of Jesus, said this in 1 John chapter 5. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, in going and talking to God. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God hears us. He hears my complaints. And he hears my joy. He hears when I swear. And he hears when I laugh. He hears when I shout for celebration. He hears when I shout in anger. He hears all of it. Now, does that mean that God just gives us whatever we ask him for? No. He's a good dad. And a good dad doesn't throw the keys to the car to his toddler. He's a good dad. And he wants us to keep asking and when we do, he aligns our heart with his and he makes us think like he thinks and he makes us want the things that he wants. And as we walk with him and we go with him and we talk with him and we keep asking him and he keeps shaping our heart and he makes us like him, he gives us what we need. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. I wonder if some of us have stopped We've given up. We've stopped asking God for the things that we need. Oh, we asked a few times. We even cried out to Him. But we didn't get an answer. It wasn't as fast as we wanted it. It wasn't the answer that we wanted. It felt like God wasn't listening, so we stopped asking. And then we wonder why we feel so alone, so frustrated, so defeated, we stopped asking. The truth is, the reality of it is, guys, I, I have nothing profound to tell you today. I just have this, this simple truth, this great news that God hears you. He hears the cry of your hearts. He knows your joy and your sorrows. And maybe 2020 has been Maybe it's been the worst year of your life. And the reality is, sorry, maybe 2021 is going to be worse. Can you have joy? Can you be grateful? Because God hears you. And the truth is, if you can't, if that's not good enough for you, then I don't have anything for you. But the God of creation, when you speak, When you call on him, when you talk to him, his ear is tuned to your voice and he hears you. And Jesus says, when it feels like he's not listening, he says, here's the invitation. Come on, keep asking, bring it. Just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. asking." Even to the point, he uses this example, even to the point where you might feel like you're annoying God, you're bothering God with the same old request, Jesus says, no, no, he hears you. Keep coming, keep coming, keep asking. Can you be grateful that God hears you? A couple things I wanna tell you about and then we'll get you out of here as we finish up 2020, just as a church family, part of being grateful and being generous, the reason that we're grateful and generous is because we have this confidence in Jesus, right? Because we, we trust him. So we're willing to sacrifice and live generously because We trust him. But part of trusting him is getting to know him. It's spending time with God. And so we want to help you spend a few minutes with God this Christmas season. We have something for you. We have an Advent devotional for you. If you're here on campus on your way out before you leave today, you can grab a copy of this. We also have it online on our website. If you're an electronic reader or you're joining us online, you can download a copy there. This is going to walk you through the Christmas season. You know what's so cool about Christmas is we're on, we're on this side of Christmas, but for centuries, people waited for Christmas to come. Well, what was that like? Eventually, it did come. I think this devotional sort of takes a look at all of that. And so I think, it's, look, it's really simple. It's a daily uh, bit of encouragement for you. And it can walk you through the Christmas season. And so you can grab one of those on your way out today, or you can get that online. And hopefully that will be helpful to you over the next number of weeks. One more thing. We are ending 2020 uh, as a church family. We're ending it with something that we're going to call the Thanksmas 2020 Challenge. See, we can coast to the end of the year. It's an option. But we want to end the year uh, really intentionally. And so we have the Thanksmas 2020 generosity challenge and here it is there's two parts to it one this is the first part i'm challenging you over the next 20 days to send 20 texts letters notes of encouragement i don't care if you send one a day for 20 days i don't care if you send 20 all at once i'm i'm challenging you and encouraging you to reach out you know what and do it in written form Reach out to somebody, write something to somebody to encourage them because you think 2020 has been a bad year for you. Maybe it's been a worse year for some of the people around you, some of the people in your circle. Reach out to them and encourage them. Send them a text, send them a note, send them snail mail. I don't know where you buy a stamp. You'll have to figure that out yourself. I think they still do snail mail. Send them some sort of letter and just be an encouragement to them. The second half of it we're doing as a church family, and I think this is really cool. You ready? Over the next 20 days, we want to collect 2,020 gift cards that we can use to bless a couple of our local ministry partners. We want to collect, at the end of 2020, we want to collect 2020, 2,020 gift cards that we can give to families at Rob Middle School and to the Kindness Project, which is a local organization we work with that works with local foster families. We wanna get a bunch of gift cards so we can bless people at the end of the year. So here's what we're recommending. You can do what you want, but here's what we're recommending is $20 gift cards. We need 2,020 $20 gift cards. Now, maybe your family, you go, okay, cool. We can do one or maybe you could do two or three. Maybe your family could do 10 of those. Maybe your family needs to be stretched this year. Maybe your family, your household could do 20, $20 gift cards. I, I don't know. Talk about it. And let's be a blessing. Let's end the year blessing people. Here, here, here's what you do if you're in. If you want to be a part of this, here's what you can do. You can text the word thanksmas to 97,000. That's your way of saying I'm in because we wanna encourage you throughout the month. We wanna give you some ideas about how you can encourage people. We wanna be able to track how many gift cards that we're getting that we're gonna be able to bless people with. And from now until Sunday, December 20th, you can bring gift cards. You can drop them in the offering boxes around here. Or if you'd rather just give, you can give online on our website. There's so many more details about this. I'm probably missing. Go to our website, faithchurchlv.com. You can learn all about this thanks, Miss Generosity Challenge, but let's not end the year just sort of wallowing in what a crummy year it's been. Let's end it. Let's finish it well. Let's end it intentionally and be people who are grateful in our hearts and we turn that outward towards generosity that blesses other people. Are you with me? Let's do it. Pray with me. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful that you hear us from your throne, from on high. God, you hear us. You're not too distant, you're not too busy, preoccupied with other stuff, but you hear us, God. God, at the sound of my voice today on campus, watching online, there are many of us that are carrying a burden a burden that has gotten too heavy, too big for us to carry on our own. And so God, right now, we're giving it to you. We're pushing that burden over to you and saying, God, carry this for us. We can't carry it anymore. God, thank you that you hear us. Maybe we've asked you before, but God, it felt like you didn't hear because we felt like we didn't get an answer, but we're gonna trust you. We're going to choose to trust you that you hear us god that you formed us in your image with ears to show us that you're a god who hears god thank you for this example of jesus who can journey through life and his life is really hard and he doesn't dismiss the difficulty he doesn't dismiss how hard it is and go oh don't worry i'm just going to be happy no Jesus says, I'm grateful because of the connection and the intimacy, God, that I have with you. God, make us like him. Make us like Jesus, that we can be grateful in the midst of our circumstances. Grateful for this incredible news that you hear us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he went to the cross. He died to take away our shame, to take away our sin that we could never deal with. He took it. He lost his life so that we could have life. God, thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.